following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. I have not always understood what this was about. And just like the account of the Transfiguration we talked about last week, this account hasn't got more, much more than a, uh, and move on, right? Uh, unfortunate. This is unfortunate because here in these verses, here in this account, we find the secret to living with power. And I'm sure that all of us want a little bit more of that, a little more power. Now, we've established over the last uh, few weeks and months that the disciples at this point in their walk with the Lord were, in fact, idiots. They don't understand anything. They just don't get it. They'd seen some amazing things. They'd done some amazing things, heard some amazing things, but still struggle to put it all together. Don't know what this is all about. We're not much different than them, I don't think. At least me. I only speak for myself. So here are nine disciples, the nine remaining disciples, having an argument in the morning with the scribes in the midst of a big crowd, and the disciples are losing the argument. I can only imagine these poor guys... Uh, this fellow brings a brings a boy with a demon, say fix him, and they try everything they know how to do. Like, We've done this before, right? And and it doesn't work. And then the scribes, what do they say? They already don't believe Jesus. They don't believe anything that he's saying. Does there? He's not Messiah. He's just a phony. What do you think these poor guys had to face? These professional religious people. You look like a bunch of jerks. You just can't do anything. What you're selling is snake oil. I'm sure that they were very discouraged at this point. I think I would be. And imagine their relief when around the bend comes Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> right? They see Jesus around the corner and a crowd ran over to him. And finally they get some relief. And what does, the crowd, uh, what does the crowd get asked? When Jesus got there, they ran to him and greeted him. And he says to the crowd, what are you arguing about with them? Because I'm sure that the disciples, well, I'm just in my imagination, they didn't run over to Jesus with the crowd. I'm sure they're a little more like, you have at it. We stay over here, right? That's just my foolish imagination. So he asked this crowd and the scribes, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. Now think about this for a minute. Remember the story of the disciples have gone through so far. Remember, Jesus sent them out two by two to preach repentance and to cast out demons and to heal people. And they did. They had a lot of success. 
So what makes this account different? What's different about this, uh, this uh, event that they could not cast out this demon this time? This poor father, this poor father brought his son in this sad condition. Sounds a lot like epilepsy, but uh, as we read it, it, of course, in fact, it's a demon, not a natural disease. Um, so don't go to the neurologist's office and try to start casting out demons. You'll lose a lot of friends. Um, not everybody with epilepsy has a demon, just to be clear. Um, epilepsy is a real thing. But this boy did, in fact, have a demon. So, so dad describes his son to Jesus, knowing that it was an unclean spirit, not a natural thing, but also now knowing that the disciples, Jesus' disciples, were powerless to cast it out of him. And when Jesus hears this story, from the father, how does he react? He say, okay, I'll fix it. Don't worry. What does he say? Verse 19. And he answers them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Who do you think he said that to? You think he said that to Father? Father says, here's my sick boy. And Jesus says, you're faithless and I'm growing tired of you. <laughs> no. You think he said that to scribes? They had no faith, right? They're just your religious, professional religious people out to make everybody feel guilty so they can control them. Doesn't happen anymore, does it? Did he say that to the crowd? Oh, you faithless crowd. You're just looking for a show. Spectacle. No. He didn't say to dad. He didn't say to scribes or to the crowd. He said it to the disciples. Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? What an indictment from the Lord Jesus. He's clearly frustrated with them. First, the night before, Peter wants to set up tents, right? Remember, from the Mount of Transfiguration, he wants to set up tents for Jesus and Elijah and Moses so they could set up a new kingdom on earth. Finally, the kingdom has come, right? Wrong. And now, the other nine disciples didn't have the sense to do what they needed to do to cast out one single demon. He had to be frustrated. But that was the problem that he would deal with later. First, he needed to deal with this boy. Jesus said, bring him to me. And he brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it is often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. 
Here we get a picture of what our enemy really wants for us. Satan just doesn't want you just sin. Just go sin. You'll like it. It's better than all this righteousness. That's not what Satan wants. Satan wants you to die. He wants you to be destroyed and die in your sin without the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus. That's what the devil wants for you. And that's what the demon wants for this boy. To destroy him before he knew Jesus. That's the goal of our enemy. What a sad state this poor boy is in. What a sad state this poor father is in. Many of us who have children, (coughs) children who have been ill or have to deal with terrible situations that are out of our control, I'm sure can identify with this poor father and his heart for his son. The dad's desperate cry to Jesus. But if you can do anything, your disciples couldn't do anything, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I think other than Jesus, the dad's the only one that did anything right here. He brought his poor boy to Jesus. The disciples hadn't been able to do anything for this man or his son. The scribes have certainly been no help. This poor dad's heart was plagued with doubt. But still, with the little bit of faith that he had, he begged Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. There's a problem. Word. If. If you can. If you can do anything. I can't help but imagine Jesus in his great compassion with a smile on his face when he says, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And this poor father in his humility says, he cries out and says, I believe, help my unbelief. What a statement. What a prayer. It's as if he's saying it's useless for me to hide the unbelief that still struggles with me in my heart. But my heart bears witness. I do believe. I believe in you. And any, and if any distrust remains, I, I disown it. I wrestle with it. I, I seek help from you against it. This should be our heart's cry as well. I believe Help my unbelief. John Calvin wrote, As our faith is never perfect, it follows that we are partly unbelievers. But God forgives us and exercises such forbearance towards us as to reckon us believers on account of a small portion of faith. It is our duty in the meantime carefully to shake off the remains of infidelity which adhere to us, to strive against them, and to pray to God to correct them, and as often as we are engaged in this conflict, to fly to him for aid. The problem here is not Jesus' ability to heal. 
or even with the disciples' inability to heal. The problem was with their ability to trust in God to do what is inhumanly possible, is humanly impossible. But that kind of trust is only possible with the help of the one who is its object. Only God can give us faith. And that doesn't sound right to us sometimes. It's, I do the believing, right? Well, yes. But God the Father empowers that believing by his spirit. We cannot have faith without the one who is the object of our faith. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Jesus did the impossible He cast out the demon, forbidding it to ever enter the boy again. And after the demon left, he raised the boy up as if he had been literally brought back from the dead. This was not beyond Jesus' power. And after this incredible scene, the disciples are left wondering, what just happened? We don't get it. When they had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Why are we so powerless to do this? We've done it before. And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now that is among the most confusing. Like, is there, is there like different classes? Like this, this guy was, he wasn't just a private. He was a lieutenant. And it'd take a little bit more to get rid of him. So is Jesus saying here that all the disciples had to do is pray and they could have cast the demon out themselves like they forgot to say grace before the meal until their food wasn't blessed? I don't think so. Did they just not say the magic words? A la peanut butter sandwiches? No. Did they just forget to bow their head? They forgot to close their eyes and fold their hands. Right? Right? I'm obviously getting predictable. No, the answer is no. They didn't just not say the magic words or do things in the right order. Don't be fooled. The disciples expected something to happen. They expected the demon to leave when they told it to. But it didn't. Why is that? I think it's because they're trying to do it on their own. Right? They had done it before, so they trusted their ability, they trusted the process, and they didn't get the same result. They trusted in themselves. And did they have the power to cast out the demon? No. Do you have the power to cast out a demon? Do I? No. Does that mean we can't cast out demons? No. (laughs) Because the power doesn't come from us. The disciples didn't get that. 
Who did have the power in this scene? The disciples? No. Scribes? Nope. The crowd? Nope. Dad? Nope. Jesus. And that is the secret to living with power. Understand that it's not about you anyway. Power doesn't come from you anyway. You can't do anything. I can't do anything. You want to test that theory? Make your heart skip a beat. Go. You can't. We can't hold our atoms together. We can't control ourselves. We have control over nothing. Jesus said to the disciples, this kind, this kind of demon, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is not because this is a different sort of demon. Bigger, stronger, bigger claws, had a bigger, deeper hold on this kid. Nope. Nope. He said it because they cannot hope to cast out demons or do anything for God's kingdom or even their own faith without connecting to the one who is the source of power. Faith does not depend on the theoretical consciousness of truth, agreeing with the facts. That's not faith. Faith depends on the existence of a real and actual fellowship with God, an actual relationship with him. And that same faith exposes our powerlessness without the Lord's intervention. He is the one that holds all the cards. He is the one that holds all the power. And the disciples failed to cast out this demon, not because they didn't say the magic words or close their eyes when they prayed. It's because they didn't depend on God's power. That's why Jesus said this kind could only be cast out except by prayer. Because what is prayer? It's faith expressed. Every time we pray, we, we accept our powerlessness. We admit it to God. Lord, help my son. Heal my friend. Intervene in this person's life. Why? Because I can't. I can't fix it. This poor dad says, I can't make my son better. But you can. That's faith expressed. That's what prayer is. Faith is not just taking a flying leap into the unknown. (laughs) It's taking hold of the Lord and deriving strength from him. And we do that through prayer. Real and actual fellowship with God our Father through faith in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the secret to power. Our power comes from admitting our powerlessness and grabbing on to the one who is all-powerful, like this poor dad. Our prayer ought to be the same as his. I believe, but it's just so small. Help my unbelief. It's in Matthew's account of this event where Jesus says, 
Mountains can be moved with faith the size of a mustard seed. Oh, we're not studying Matthew. But it's still the truth. All it takes is a little kernel of faith to trust in the Lord, and he will move the mountains. Not you. Not by saying, mountain, be moved. No. It's only by God's power and trust it in him. I believe. Help my unbelief. It's useless to hide the unbelief that still struggles in this heart of mine. But that heart still bears witness that I do believe in you, Lord Jesus. And if any distrust remains, I disown it. I wrestle with it. I seek help from you against it. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we believe. We believe in you. Help our unbelief. All it takes is that mustard seed, tiny kernel of faith to be able to connect with the one who created the universe. The one who saved our souls. Who paid the price on the cross for our sin. A tiny seed of belief. It's not the size of our faith that matters. It's the one in whom we have faith that makes the difference. And so, Father, we, we have faith in you. We have faith in you that you are in complete control of our circumstances. You are in complete control of the things that are going on around us. Father, help our unbelief. Help us to see you at work in every circumstance. Help us to trust in you as the resolution for every problem that we face. That our faith would grow. So our trust in you would grow. And we would live at peace. You're the one that holds the stars in place. You're the one that keeps our hearts beating and our eyes blinking. Our lungs breathing. And we're so grateful to know a God like that. Thank you, Father, for your word. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.